From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The spread, again, of COVID-19 in Victorian aged care homes was not just a possibility, it was almost a given. Even before a vaccine was available, the federal government ended the support payment intended to stop casual aged care staff working across multiple sites. Today, Rick Morton, on how that decision meant history was bound to repeat. Rick, as the current outbreak began to hit Victoria, we heard that there was an aged care worker who had tested positive. I'm sure I'm not the only person who got a sinking feeling at that news. What about you? It made me feel sick. Like, I I remember where I was when I saw it, and I was waiting for it, to be quite frank, but I didn't want it to happen. And then you hear this news that there's there's the first one, and you know how this works, right? You know what happened in aged care last year. Rick Morton is a senior reporter for the Saturday paper. So many people died, hundreds of people died, and I I just felt physically ill because it all felt preventable. It felt like we were hurtling towards this thing that didn't need to happen, and here we were facing it. So can you tell me about what happened this time around then? What do we know? So the Saturday before last, an aged care worker in Melbourne who had received one dose of the Pfizer vaccine tested positive for COVID-19. Victorian authorities have extreme concerns after the emergence of a mystery COVID-19 case who is a healthcare worker at an aged care facility. Acting pre- Then on Monday, a resident of Arcare Maidstone in Melbourne's north, uh, where the positive employee worked, also tested positive for coronavirus. Victoria's COVID crisis is deepening with 11 new cases today, including an aged care resident. The woman in her 90s was transferred to hospital straight away. And then the worker's son uh, also contracted the virus as did a second worker at Arcare Maidstone. A woman in her 50s, a worker here, tested positive for the virus over the weekend. Now, she worked at this facility on Wednesday. By Wednesday of last week, a second resident of the Arcare nursing home had tested positive. This 89-year-old resident was living in an adjacent room to the first resident to test positive here at Arcare in Maidstone. Uh, we have... And as was the case in 84% of aged care outbreaks of COVID-19 last year, where more than 680 nursing home residents died because of the virus, the pathogen was seeded into our care Maidstone by staff members who didn't even know they were sick. This was history repeating itself. So how did this happen, Rick? How is it possible that we saw multiple people in the aged care sector test positive once again? Well, you know, part of it comes down to the fact that the federal government quietly removed this crucial element of public health control, which was one of the key measures introduced during the pandemic to keep people uh, in aged care homes and staff safe. And and that was a scheme that paid compensation to aged care workers um, in lieu of them working across multiple jobs at different locations. And so this scheme, knowing that that was a public health problem, rather than punish the people who were just trying to live, actually compensated them for staying in one location. And that was actually, you know, a really important lever that was used last year. And then the Commonwealth withdrew it on November 30, um, months before we actually had any vaccine available in Australia. And it kind of seemed like the government policy was being made on, you know, based on sincere hope 
you know, hope that we wouldn't get an outbreak, hope that we won't need this thing because we don't want to pay for it in the interim. And this was, you know, one crucial error in a catalogue of mistakes in the lead-up to the positive cases at Arcare Maidstone. And so, Rick, the removal of this scheme, the scheme that was put in place to try and stop workers accidentally spreading COVID-19 across different nursing homes after the outbreak last time, how does the removal of that scheme play into the current situation here in Victoria exactly? So on Tuesday night, we had this Zoom meeting from uh, the managers of our care, Maidstone. Um, they provided this briefing to family members and staff at the nursing home about what was happening. And on that Zoom call were Department of Health officials who were actually texting with um, Health Minister Greg Hunt, who couldn't be on the call but was being appraised of what was happening while it was happening. Um, they also had the Acting Chief Medical Officer, Michael Kidd, and the nursing home managers were actually telling people on the call, and I spoke to some of them, that, you know, they were unable to prevent staff from working across multiple sites until the federal government recognised Melbourne as a COVID-19 hotspot, which happened on May 27. But by then, it was too late. They already had a worker who was, unbeknownst to her, positive and had filled in some shifts at uh, Blue Cross facility in Sunshine. And this is the issue, because this is how we know from experience this thing spreads. It comes in, as we as we saw, through the worker unwittingly. Um, but then because people have a need to work and to live and to feed their families, it gets into other facilities because this is a highly casualised workforce. There is a lot of movement between facilities, often between different providers, different companies, but the same staff, agency staff, labour hire staff. So this is what we were dealing with and that's what this scheme was meant to do and that was the thing that ended on November 30 because the federal government just sincerely hoped that we wouldn't be in this position again. We'll be back after this. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For long-time editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy. Yeah, this. yeah <laughs> if, that's, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rick, we're talking about the COVID-19 cases that we saw in aged care in Victoria recently and the fear, I suppose, that the situation could begin in a worst-case scenario to resemble what we saw last year. But things are supposed to be different now, principally because the vaccine is now available. So how many residents and workers in aged care are vaccinated right now? So the numbers will be a little bit higher now, but as of the middle of last week, Senate estimates was told that there were 64% of nursing home residents across the country who had received both doses of a vaccine, typically Pfizer. In Victoria, in the middle of this you know, outbreak, it was just 57% of nursing home residents who had received both doses. 
but there was a lot of confusion when it comes to workers. How many aged care workers in Victoria have been vaccinated with either their first or second dose? So I think, Senator, we undertook to come back in the next hour. And this is magnified last week because there was just no idea from the government, from the Department of Health bureaucrats. They couldn't tell you precisely how many staff members in aged care had been vaccinated. So it's about 32,000 aged care workers nationally have received two doses. Through the Commonwealth in-reach process. So it necessarily underestimates because there would be large numbers of staff who've, for whatever reason, gone to their GP or through some other mechanism. So what they did was they said, well, we can tell you that it's at least 33,000 employees who have been vaccinated with one or two doses. That's less than 10% of the aged care workforce nationally have had two doses. Is that, Senator, Senator, this is, I think it's we'd like nearly to six months since the vaccine rollout began. Is that, are you really comfortable with that, Minister? And if you think that's bad in aged care, wait till you hear about the numbers in the disability sector. So remembering that these are both the two biggest priorities. You've got aged care, um, residents, and then you've got disabled people living in group homes and congregate care settings, so similar to nursing homes but at a smaller scale. There are 26,000 disabled people living in similar um, homes like that. And on, you know, May 29... The, the number of people who had been vaccinated is almost unbelievable. It was only 355 people who had received two doses. So we're talking about 1% of disabled people in these institutions who had been fully vaccinated by May 29. This is four months after the rollout began. Sometime in March, the government dropped the commitment to disabled people so they could, quote-unquote, refocus resources on getting the aged care job done. So what happened to the Prime Minister's commitment that was made publicly on the, in January about aged care workers being the priority? Because you just said residents were prioritised over staff. When was that decision taken and why wasn't it explained to the public? Well, Senator, both residents and staff were categorised in, in 1A. So there's 1AA. Now, when that mission also looked doomed, despite the fact that they had kind of thrown disabled people under the bus... The Commonwealth all but abandoned aged care workers to yet again refocus on residents. And we learnt in the COVID hearing that aged care was prioritised over disability care, but nothing's ever said about that. So we've got two sets here of occasions where they've had to abandon priority groups so they can refocus the program. And at the end, all of their attention, at least in theory, was on aged care residents, and they still have not completed the job, and it is now June. So what you're saying is that the original plan was to vaccinate everyone in aged care, residents and workers, as well as people who live in disability care facilities, all at the same time. But things went so badly with the rollout that the government had to scale that back and restrict their vaccination plans down to essentially only aged care residents. And even then, we're in a situation where only just over half of those residents had been vaccinated at the time of the outbreak. That's correct. And given the nature of the way the vaccines are done, they won't be finished until at least the end of June because uh, there's a three-week gap with Pfizer between the first and second dose when you can administer it. And so they're not done. They won't be done for weeks yet. And and this was, as someone put it to me last week when I was, you know, they were involved in negotiations with Greg Hunt, this was essentially the only job the Commonwealth had. You know, they secured the vaccine doses, and the argument is they didn't get enough of them, and I suspect that's right. But then they gave those doses to GP clinics, to state 
health systems, which traditionally do vaccinations in this country, quarantine officials, frontline health workers, and the states did most of those. So really the only thing the Commonwealth had to worry about was vaccinating aged care residents and staff and disability care residents and staff, and they failed. And so who is responsible here, Rick? Is it the Federal Health Minister? Do the the aged care centres themselves have a role in this? Look, they all do. Um, but Greg Hunt is the Cabinet Minister responsible for health and aged care. And by his own admission, he's had a bit of a shocker. And in terms of uh, workforce, um, around the country, uh, what we have is uh, just over 70,000 with a proportionate uh, amount of Victorians that have been identified as... Uh, You know, last week he mistakenly claimed that 70,000 workers had been fully vaccinated, but what he meant to say, which apparently the Department of Health ill-advised him, was that the figure was referring to the number of doses administered. So it's half that, which is the 33,000 figure essentially. And then on Monday he told the media that only six nursing homes in Australia were yet to be visited by a vaccination team. The real number was 21. And so at this point in time uh, we have, uh, as noted already, Uh, completed uh, uh, all um, prior to yesterday, all but 20, um, not 21, uh, on the latest advice that I had coming into question time. Uh, And he had to correct that in question time in the House of Representatives. There are two separate arguments here about how you deal with this thing. There has to be a kind of real politique. You have to look at what you've got. And yes, providers should do better. And yes, they should be more accountable and culpable. But in the thick of a disaster, you can't just say, fix it because you know they, they're not capable. So you need to actually come in and do what you promised to do. And it's the same with the vaccinations. Do what you promised to do. They were waiting and it didn't happen. And Rick, what about the people in aged care? You've outlined the government's failings, but what about the psychological toll, the feelings of disempowerment and, and being disregarded that I'm sure must be there for the people who are in aged care? Yes, and I think that's something that is often overlooked, um, not just by the federal government, by, but by people. We think, oh, good, there's no more cases. But, you know, Blue Cross had to go into lockdown because the worker had been there while positive. Um, there are residents and workers in aged care homes across Victoria and in disability um, accommodation, which is fared even worse, who are wondering, are we safe? You know, this thing got out again. We knew it was always a risk. We knew it was a very high likelihood that we would have another outbreak in Australia, particularly as these different variants emerged around the world. Then we didn't know what our experience was going to be. And, you know, the Royal Commission did a whole report, the Aged Care Royal Commission did a separate report on the COVID-19 response, which was released on October 1 last year. And they said that we had to do this because there is a real threat that more people will die um, and that we need to know the government has learned something. And I'm not entirely convinced that they did. All of this stuff is contributing to the psychological toll, which was felt throughout nursing homes in Australia last year. Even when they didn't have COVID-19, they were locked down. They couldn't see friends and family. You know, it looks like Arcare, Maidstone, whatever happens, will be in lockdown at least for a month. Um, That's what they were told uh, on the Zoom meeting last Tuesday night um, because they just need to be sure. And the, the loneliness that creeps in of being not just abandoned um, or feeling rejected by your own kind of people in your own government, but also not being able to see your loved ones, not being able to touch them or hold them. And, and, And that's the toll of this whole thing. And that's what people suffer when you can't get your vaccination program right. And then to act like nothing went wrong. Well, what hope is there that things will be better in the future if you can't concede this? 
Rick, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ruby. I appreciate it. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today... The Minister for Home Affairs has given the first indication that the Tamil family from Biloela, currently being held on Christmas Island, might be offered resettlement options. The statement comes after the family's three-year-old daughter was medically evacuated to Perth following 10 days of fever, vomiting, diarrhoea and dizziness. And in Victoria, acting Premier James Molino said the state was, quote, on track for an easing of restrictions this Friday. Only two new cases were recorded in the state yesterday. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am and from tomorrow I'm taking a short break from the show to work on a special series that we'll be releasing later this year. Osman Faruqi will be in the chair and I'll be back later next week. See you then.